Thanks for joining us for Brewing Faith, where we bring the hard questions to the table as we talk about the future of our church. In this episode, we will be sharing stories and conversation about sports and spirituality. I will be sitting down with Xavier Canis, a sophomore communications major at Newman University, and Sister Alice Klein, whose incredible story you will hear in just a moment. Grab your coffee or tea, whatever you like to brew, and let's get started. Let me set the scene. The year is 1949. Color television production has just been perfected. Rodgers and Hammerstein debut the musical South Pacific on Broadway. John Belushi and Meryl Streep were born. Fun fact, so is my father. And Harry Truman was president. 1949 was also the year the National Basketball Association, the NBA, was established. This was the year Alice was a student at the Catholic High School of Baltimore. She was a tall bombshell of a woman standing at six foot two. The coach took one look at her and said, you've made the team. In her confusion, Alice said, what team? The basketball team. Alice didn't know a thing about the game, but the coach assured her she would do just fine. So as the NBA was becoming a thing, Alice was too. Alice is now in her 80s. I had the opportunity to interview her about her experience. She would hold her index finger to her lips and stare off into space as if she was watching her life play back on some big screen TV that was invisible to me. She slowly told her story. As she spoke, describing the details of her life, I began to see the vivid images appear upon the invisible screen before us. There's a classic scene at the conclusion of the film, A League of Their Own, in which a team of grandmothers are inducted into the Hall of Fame for their participation in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League that they played in as young women. They were all standing around singing, we're all for one, we're one for all, we're all Americans. That is the feeling of pride exuding from Alice as she spoke of her own history. She began sharing the struggle of learning to play basketball in high school. She reflected, like any sport, it was a challenge to learn. She spoke of the evolution of basketball from half court to full court and called herself a pioneer of basketball. As a high school player, she won multiple trophies, still on display at Catholic High. What I find most intriguing was the uniforms. These girls played in dresses. Alice assured me they had bloomers on and it was no big deal. But as a rough and tumble kid of the 80s, playing any sport in a dress seemed a greater challenge than I was willing to take on. Alice was the tallest on the team. With her height and her trophy record, 
It probably comes as no surprise that she was scouted for a semi-professional team her senior year. She spoke with much gratitude for the sisters who supported her travels and made it possible to continue in her studies while playing. Alice recalled one sister saying, traveling is education. She spoke of Mr. Martin, the owner of her team. She spoke about how compassionate he was toward his girls and how he always took care of them. They would travel by airplane, which seems unheard of for the 50s, and they would dress to the nines to travel. She showed me old black and white photos of her team, the Bomberettes. She still holds the passenger ticket and baggage check tucked perfectly into an old photo album, along with a ticket to her first championship game in Missouri, the 22nd annual Women's National AAU Basketball Championship. In case you missed that, 22nd annual. Who knew women were playing basketball since the 30s? She began talking about Mr. Martin's planes. It was then I realized Alice was playing for Mr. Martin, as in Lockheed Martin, as in the planes they were traveling on were his planes, built by his company, and he was an early pioneer of aviation. Alice had to be on the payroll to work for him. So on weekends, she would work in the timekeeping office. She made about $3,000 a year. This would approximately be $30,000 today. Not bad for a senior in high school. Seemed Alice was on her way to fame and fortune. However, after only two years of playing ball semi-professionally for Mr. Martin, she left it all. Alice now resides at Assisi House, the retirement convent of the Sisters of St. Francis. You see, Alice left it all to enter the convent. Thank you for joining us today for Brewing Faith. I'm your host as always, Sarah, and I am here today with Sister Alice, who you've just heard some of her story, uh, which we will get deeper into today in this conversation and interview. And I'm also here with Xavier, who is a sophomore at Newman University, where they have a sport and spirituality program. So today we're going to have a conversation about sports and spirituality and how the playing of sports engages one in their faith. So Sister Alice, you were leading this pretty glamorous life. You were flying on planes in first class, you were playing basketball games, you were pretty popular, and then you decided that you were going to give it all up and enter the convent. How did you make that decision? And how was that transition for you? Well, Sarah, I, I didn't, I wasn't all like you said I was. <laughs> but I tell you, when I entered Catholic High, I was a tall girl and I was very bashful. And that coach made the world out of me. Before I went into high school, I'm, I'm the youngest of seven. 
And um, my brother was 6'10". He was too tall for the service. And we girls, all there were five girls and one boy, um, we were happy about that. But on Sundays, my brother-in-laws would get me together with them, and they would hit the ball and catch the ball. And I mean, they really gave me a workout on Sundays. But I was thankful for them because I knew that sport, and that's why I was good in teaching that sport. And so when I got to high school, I was ready for them, but I was afraid until that teacher, coach, looked up at me and said, you are on the team. And I said, what team? And she said, basketball. I said, I don't know how to play basketball. We can have a <laughs> basketball court and all that. It was softball and baseball. She, she was the beginning of my basketball um, time, basketball life. And in my senior year, it all came together that I was important. I was playing that game well, mm. that I was spotted. Uh, what attracted me to go into the convent and leave all this? It was the sisters, the 27 sisters that came out of Catholic High Convent to teach us. I entered the community a long time before I really went to the community. My mind was with the sisters because the sisters, they lived, they worked, they prayed, they loved each other, and especially us girls. Stand up straight, Alice, you're nice and tall. They were beautiful, kind, loving, and caring. But I could never go to one and say, I wanna be in the convent until two years after graduating from Catholic High and having my relationship with the sisters that I decided that's what I want. I want a group of women who pray together, live together, work together. I guess we argue together too. And, but that's real. <laughs> they, were, they were just great. And that's what I wanted to be. So how did that teach you when you started living community with the sisters? What about that community of being on the court? How did that translate to living in community? Well, I needed to play the game with the sisters. I needed to love them. Mm. It wasn't hard. It was easy. <laughs> Some. <laughs> and, and I needed to work with the sisters. I needed to pray with the sisters, just like I did it at the high school with the sports. I, I needed to build up that relationship with them because that was my life. They were the ones who helped me and I helped them. And that still goes on now. Sports is not just made up of the players. So it's a community affair. We're there to, to help the school, to be an honor to the school, but most of all, to be an honor to who we are because we are children of God and the Father has made us just the way I was. And, and so that, that love of sports really never left your blood. So even after you made that transition to the convent, tell me some of your teaching in junior high and what you did with the girls there. Well, actually, I started before that, but I didn't tell you about it. It was at um, Dallas Town, Pennsylvania. I mean, they were farm girls. And uh, I started a sport for them. 
And this team from York, Pennsylvania came out one day and they said, oh, look at the farmers in the field. <laughs> and they got out of their bus. Well, I tell you what, we beat them so bad that they got back in that bus and say, sister, I'll never say that to you again. Mm. And that's when I was proud of them. Then I was changed to St. Joe's in York, Pennsylvania. I was a little afraid because they were like from lawyers and doctors and the girls were the same as the ones in Dallas town. They didn't have a team, but the boys had all the teams, so we started a softball team. You, I know in speaking with you previously, you spoke about Rosie the Riveter, and that image of what I would say, you know, is feminism, and you sort of stepped back and said, well, I don't know that I'd necessarily call myself a feminist, but you did speak of how you influenced those girls' lives for the better, and you gave them an opportunity that they didn't have before. And those girls learn how to throw and run and catch because that was my sport, even better than basketball. I knew the sport, I lived the sport, and that's what the girls, and we did so well the first year, they gave us uniforms, they were so proud of us, and then for four more years we won championship. I'll never forget those girls. I hope they don't forget me, because mm. we had a nice relationship together. So you really saw that the boys had something the girls didn't and wanted to make that difference. Yes, yes, Sarah. It seems like it was a boy's, well, a boy's life in, in the schools in those days. And so we raised the sports for the girls to be just as good. And, and, and the boys came along to watch us. Yeah. So that was a big help. Xavier, I'm going to turn to you for a minute and throw a question for you. Um, as you listen to Sister Alice and talking about sort of the inequality between men and women, girls and boys in that time, how do you think that's changed? Has it changed? And where do you think we need to go? Yeah, definitely. Sister Alice was either, if you want to say, a pioneer, a trailblazer into that kind of equality in sports and I think that helped lead to the Title IX issue, too. Mm. We see in college athletics today where everything is equalized, either it's money or it's participation, and all the supplies that are given to the male athletes are given to the female athletes. And I think that's one of the best things we have in college sports, and I think that's what differentiates it from professional sports, in my opinion. So you don't see that happening in professional sports? No, I, I see the NBA and I see it just worlds different from the WNBA today. And I, there was a local team, I, I'm from Akron, Ohio, and we had a professional softball team and we had a minor league baseball team and the minor league baseball team had much nicer facilities and gave a much nicer wage and living to those wow. male players and the professional softball players in the area. Wow. And Sister Alice, this is still your issue, right? You try to encourage people to watch the women still today? Savior, I agree with you. I get the Newman University's paper, and the girls are same as the boys in the different sports, and I love it. Uh, I don't like to watch the professionals. I think the referees should call more fouls. It's getting to be a, a push-me game. I love the college uh, basketball, but I love the girls' college better. Some of the sisters watch the girls, but very few. But I know they will change their mind. 
after I get finished with them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so, Xavier, you've been engaged in sports your whole life. <laughs> and now you, like you said, you're at Newman University as a sophomore where they have a sport and spirituality program. Can you tell us about that integration of faith and sport on campus in your own life? Yeah, so like you said, I started baseball at a very young age. It was just kind of something that was brought to me through my family. And when I got to Newman, I wanted to play club baseball with the team. And my first meeting with the team, I met Sister Linda, and she's our team chaplain. And I was talking with my teammates. I was like, I've never had a sister or nun in the dugout before. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it's something different. But I was, I was eternally grateful for that because she brought us hot cocoa and pretzels on cold days. And before games, she would talk to us, and we'd have our uh, team prayer. And at the end of the season, we'd go back, and we'd reminisce on the season. And she would, she would come with us, and we'd have a real nice dinner and just talk about how grateful we were for her support throughout the season, not only just watching us, but talking to us every time we passed her on the sidewalk. And it was just a special type of relationship that we had with Sister Linda. And I know that every sports and athletics team, or I think even every club in Newman, they have a team chaplain, which does the same thing that Sister Linda does. Like I know Dr. Joe Glass is a team chaplain, and I know that a lot of other professors I have, and just people around in campus ministry, they do a great job throughout the university. That's great. And so not only the sisters, but the faculty and staff. You mentioned right. Dr. Joe Glass. So it, it really is infused into the spirituality of Newman in general. It sounds like that this is accepted and praised and it's part of the culture. Right. We look at our recreational facility, the Miranda Center. That's not even just an athletic center. It's the spot for sports and spirituality to come together. We have the five pillars in the Miranda Atrium, the rises, and that's kind of our core values for not only our university, it's put in every single one of our class syllabuses, but it's preached on the sports field and off the sports field to just treat and honor your Newman University status and follow your life through the Rises values. That's great. So you've played sports in other places and you've played here. So how do you think that makes a difference? How does that Rises, does it make a difference for you on the, on the field? I think... Not only the way we approach our competition, but how we approach our opponents is a lot different in the kind of mindset. I think back to youth sports, and I think back, I played a travel club baseball team, and their focus was on winning, and their focus was on winning tournaments to make the team and coaches money. But when I came out here, it was more about you're going to help foster the game, you're going to go help foster the community of baseball, and you're going to be a good teammate, and you're not only going to be a good teammate, you're going to be a good student in the classroom. Yeah. Again, that word community, I, I feel like that is very much a part of the sports world, <laughs> community. Um, so it's interesting to hear you both speak about the community of sports and how that influences how you live on and off the court, on and off the field. So Xavier, I've heard you speak a lot about role models and how professional sports uh, players should be held to a different kind of moral level. Can you talk a little bit about that and why you believe that? Yeah, I believe that mostly because these players are put on such a pedestal in our environment and in pop culture, I think. So I think if they use that platform that they have, they can really help make a difference. I know a lot of them come from 
low-income families, and then the ones that don't, they still preach the message, and they, a lot of times when they win championships or when they accept awards, the first thing they think is God, mm -hmm. and I think that's really great to see. We had a, one of the best college football players ever, Tim Tebow, he made his transition from the NFL, and then he decided his true passion and his true calling was to be a professional baseball player, so right now he's in the New York Mets organization working his way up to hopefully play pro ball one day, but he's one of the biggest advocates and one of the biggest uh, athletic Christians, I think, in, in my life that I have been blessed to see. And I think that him spreading that message, he was wearing Philippians 4.13 on his eye black in one game, and that garnered an insurmountable Google searches. And I think just showing somebody the faith that way and being able to express yourself in that way, I think is one of the best things you can do given that platform. Yeah, I didn't even think of that, but the witness you can give with putting something on your jersey or putting something out there that would cause people to be like, oh, what is he trying to say? Right. <laughs> Maybe I should go look that up. The next thing you know, people are reading scripture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. What about when it goes wrong? What, what do you think that does? I think looking back on this past NFL year as a Cleveland Browns fan, we saw a couple of instances where you would, you would think to yourself, that's really not the Browns way. That's not, that's not the NFL way. And I think when NFL players see that, they think, well, we're a brotherhood, we're, it's more or less a fraternity of NFL players, and at the end of the day, it's a job for them, and they look back, and they just want to better each other, so I think when they look back, they're like, okay, so this is, I think, where we could have done this different, and everybody was wrong in the situation for getting involved in fisticuffs or what you may have it, and I think at the end of the day, the coaches and the organization, they come together, and they talk with the player and they're like, okay, so this is what we could have done different. And I don't think any of it's advocated to lead to aggression like that. Yeah. Could I add just one thing? You did very well, Xavier. Um, some of these teams help children play and on the outside and they do very good work. And then they get on the court and they kill one another. And they say, who, me? They argue with the referee. They bat one another, they push one another. It's not the basketball that I know. You know, your skill is not there. I think they must take boxing lessons or something. They're always throwing one another apart. The kids see that, and then they're doing it. I saw some girls doing it too, and I hope they don't change that way. I like to see the three-pointers, mm -hmm. the skill, that's the skill. Yeah. And that's interesting, too, to think about the ones who are doing good on and off the court. You know, you're mm -hmm. from Akron, so I guess you don't still have LeBron James, but you had him. Yeah, we, we <laughs> and did have him. You want to say a little bit about what he's done in the Akron area that I think people aren't, he's quiet about it. He, people don't really know what he does. Right, so growing up through that, he's just a year, old, a year younger than my mom, so I was able to be completely involved in the just growing of LeBron James and not only is he a great NBA basketball player, he was a great high school basketball player, and he never forgot where he came from. Mm -hmm. Just a year or two ago, he opened up an I Promise School, which is an Akron public school that lets in the bottom 20% of the students in the grade-wise, so he helps and gets the 
the students that need the extra attention, he makes sure they get the resources and everything they need. And also he gave every student a bike so that they're able to do something outside of their community and not get involved with anything that they shouldn't be getting involved in. And they have free lunches there and there's no tuition given. So something that LeBron James has done in my eyes that is one of the best things I've seen out of a professional athlete. He's just started up his own school to help give back to the community he was raised in. Mm. Did you know about that, Sister Alice? What do you think about it? I'd like to hear more about it. <laughs> Maybe we can meet if you're, you're very educational. It's wonderful. Thank you. So, Xavier, you had a major injury when you were in your teen years. How challenging was that for you um, as you recovered from that? How did it shape who you are today? Yeah, so going into high school, I had a reoccurring hip injury, and I saw many, many specialists in the Northeast Ohio area going from Akron all the way up to Cleveland. And every time I talked to a doctor, they would say, oh, we got the x-rays, we don't really see anything wrong with it, but I knew, like, going back to it, I'd tell my mom, like, something just doesn't feel right, I just don't feel like I'm moving like a 15-year-old boy should be moving. I, uh, I was going for physical therapy, and he said, okay, so this is what I see in patients recovering from a labrum surgery in your hip, where if you think of your hip, it's much like your shoulder, so the labrum is pretty much just supporting your hip in the socket and he ordered an MRI with me with the doctor at the, the orthopedic office and the doctor there scheduled an MRI for me. After we got the results of the MRI they found out that I did have a torn labrum in my left hip and we also had a broken pelvis and a impingement where the pelvis was trying to grow back but wasn't able to. So just recovering from that at 15 and trying to learn how to drive and missing the game of baseball for almost a full year. It just really brought the perspective that baseball gave me. Not only was baseball just a great way to test my, my physical abilities and also my mental abilities on the field, but it also gave me kind of a sense of camaraderie with my friends on the team and the coaches. And I, I'm so grateful for my teammates and my coaches that gave me the benefit of the doubt and they stuck it out with me and they, the perseverance they, they showed with me and bringing me back onto the field with them. Mm. That's, that's a powerful experience. Thank you for sharing. Um, I would imagine that would be very difficult to be missing out on that and, and struggling with all of the recovery and missing friends and the, you have a clear love of the sport. You also are someone who though maybe quietly, has a very strong faith. Um, do you think that influenced that time at all? Yeah, it's just knowing that there's someone there watching out for me at all times and that there's always going to be a plan. So I knew at one point, if it was what's best for me, I was going to be back on the baseball field. And I think that's what really got me through it, is that it's bigger than me. Everything's going to be bigger than me in that situation because... I'm just doing what I need to do. I'm, I'm putting my trust and my faith in something above me. Yeah. So you've both heard a little bit about each other's stories. Xavier, you have any other thoughts, questions for Sister Alice, things you want to share? What was the camaraderie like 
on the court uh, as compared to being in the sisterhood? Hmm. Well, in the beginning, leaving the court and everything, that was something I knew and I could do well. You know, I was going into the unknown. But as time went on, that unknown became beautiful, became my, my family. And um, I just loved the sisters, so it got better and better as time went on. And now I'm in retirement. I can help the sisters because I can't walk on my own, but I can help them in many ways, sit and talk with them. Their problems, my problems, sharing, um, doing things that I didn't do on the court, I could do with the sisters, but we always talk sports. Mm. This one sister used to love, love the, the Eagles, the, the uh, Phillies, and whenever I would tell her the games, and in the morning I would go to breakfast, and they won, I would put my finger up, they won. And then when they lost, I put it down, but her finger always went up. They never lost. They never lost. I would have loved to have had a 76er come and visit her because mm. she loved them all. Well, any final thoughts? I just want to say thank you for growing the sports world as it is today because I don't think without influences like yourself we would have the sports we would today. Mm. I'm speechless. I have learned so much about sports because of this conversation we're having right now. And I wish you luck and that nothing returns from your uh, accident or, and uh, maybe one day I'll get over to that diamond and see a game. University is very good to the SSE house because they're so generous. They're so loving of us sisters. We are very important to them, and that means a lot to me because they're important to me. And may God bless you in all your work that you do, Savior. You're a good man, and I enjoy being with you. Thank you. I appreciate it, Sister Alice. We've come to the segment of our show where we hope to answer questions from our listeners. One of our listeners sent a message asking a question for a member of her social justice group. She wrote, One reason a person in our group lost faith in the Catholic Church is because of her sexual orientation and feeling as if she couldn't have faith in God and be herself. Is the Church as a whole trying to be mindful of inclusion of all? so more young people won't turn away from the church? If so, how? If not, why? Thank you, Betsy, for this question. Given the importance of this question, we are dedicating our March episode to the topic of human dignity and the LGBTQ community within the church. Join us next month when we sit down with Alyssa, a young Catholic who has been involved in significant social justice work in the Philadelphia area, focused on inclusion and community. Again, thanks for joining us. Keep the questions coming. Call the Brewing Faith Hotline to leave your questions to be aired on our show. 
1-800-626-6797 or email at brewingfaith at osfphila.org. Remember, the future is bright if we bring the light.